Friends, hear the words of the psalmist. The way of life God lays before us revives the soul. It makes wise the simple and creates joy in the hearts of those who follow him. God's way is pure, true, and righteous. It is brighter than gold and sweeter than honey. But we have traded God's way for fool's gold. So in penitence and humility, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray together our prayer of confession. Our God, who called us into covenant, invites us to examine our faithlessness. We have known and are recalled to a life of gratitude. Challenged to be builders and planters, we are faced with our destructive, unproductive habits. Together, we seek a better way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear now the comforting promise of Scripture. No one who conceals transgressions will prosper, but one who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Rejoice in the loving kindness of our God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. For nearly 2,000 years, those who follow Jesus have been affirming their faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let us join with the saints down through the ages in saying what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let's turn and greet one another in Jesus' name.
Well, good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms on a beautiful October morning. We're grateful that you're with us today. We hope that you will fill out the friendship pads which are in your pews, pass those along to your neighbor. That way you can put name and face together and hopefully continue a conversation after our worship service today. We are chock full of great activity and ministry here throughout the course of the week. So we want you to be aware that uh, there's lots of things that happen between Sunday and Sunday, and we hope that you take advantage, full advantage of them. A couple things to call to your attention. Just yesterday, we had a wonderful uh, ministry for both men and women here at Church of the Palms, a great men's breakfast uh, over in the campus center, and we had a great women's retreat. So uh, those are just continuing to grow in our ministry here, so we hope that you will take advantage of those opportunities as they come down the pike. Next Saturday, we have our Samaritan Golf Outing, and uh, that's a wonderful way for you to support a very important mission of Church of the Palms, and it's not too late to sign up, so feel free to get the information out of your bulletin and call and make a point to display your golf skills. Uh, Life Tree Cafe continues in the Campus Center after our service today, so we invite you to come and be a part of very stimulating conversation around tables to talk about issues of faith and spirituality in a very non-threatening way, and uh, we hope that you'll take advantage of that as well. And we wish a very special birthday greeting to Helen Shockey, who uh, actually turns 96 and not 95, as printed in your bulletin. So uh, we don't want to lose any years for Helen, so happy birthday to Helen. Let's continue our worship.
Let us pray. Gracious God, in these recent weeks, as we have been considering those words in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we have just heard, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. Lord, we pray your blessing upon this congregation that we may in turn be a blessing to others. And so this morning, O oh God, we lift up before you ministries that happen on this campus each and every day of the week. We give you thanks for the opportunity we have to gather together on Sunday mornings to worship and praise you together in small groups and in classes to learn more about what you have revealed of yourself to us through the written word, pointing to the incarnate word. We pray for those who serve and are served by our food pantry ministry. That the packing and the distribution of food would not be ever a mechanical activity, but instead would always be an enacted prayer a sacramental service conveying your grace and love and care for those who are hungry in our community. For those students who gather in the campus center every Tuesday and Thursday to receive tutoring and those faithful tutors who give of their time and knowledge and experience to invest in the lives of these young people. Bless student and tutor and family so that they may know of a God who is loving and present and active in their lives. For our students who gather here on Wednesday evenings in our youth ministry, may this always be a place that is safe and engaging and inspiring so that our young people may come to know you in a transformative way during their time here in this church family. Lord, we pray for the children and the families of the little ones who are at the Early Childhood Center every day of the week. We give you thanks for the amazing opportunity we have to minister in Jesus' name, to be a part of the very foundational building blocks of faith for these little ones. Pour out your spirit upon the first floor of our education building that it may overflow with your love. 
God, we pray that as a blessed people, more and more you would make us a blessing in Jesus' name to others. And so unite us in this purpose as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so in response to the blessing that God has given in our lives, we return a portion of that. And so I invite the ushers to come forward to receive the morning tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. Oh God, we do come together this morning to praise you and these tithes and offerings that we present before you are a portion of our worship. We acknowledge that all we have comes from your hand. And so we ask that you would use these gifts, bless and multiply them to accomplish your purpose here on the grounds of Church of the Palms. And as we go out to serve you in the various roles to which you call us throughout the week, we desire to be your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I would like to invite the children to come forward to the chancel steps here for a time with Miss Moira and friends. Good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here today, that you're spending your time with us. This whole month, we are going to be talking about honoring God. And today, we're talking about honoring God with our time. And God has taught us to do that in three different ways. The first way is praying. Number two is reading the Bible, not in that order, but just the, the second one on my list. And then the third way that he showed us was through helping others. So how many of you know that you should be spending a lot more time doing all three of those things, but instead you go watch TV or you play a game? How many of us are guilty of that? Probably some of us in the audience as well. Um, in kids' worship today, we'll be learning about a guy named Jonathan. And Jonathan had a friend, David, who he spent a lot of time with, who ended up killing Goliath. Do you remember David from earlier in the month? Anybody? Well, I brought some of my friends with me today, and they are kids from our service team here at Church of the Palms, and they spend a lot of their time helping others in different ways. First of all, um, last uh, a few weeks ago, we went to the food pantry, All Faith Food Bank. What do you got there, Emily? So when we were there, we sorted a lot of food, and Ryan, I'm going to ask you, were you allowed to take any of those snacks home with you? No. Did that make you feel bad? No. No, you are right. No. Ryan's got a good resistance to that. Some of the other kids had a harder time. Um, we have Madison, Elizabeth, and Stephanie with us today. Girls, are you dressed up for Halloween early? Brown. <laughs> So tell me, why are you dressed up as cats today? Because my family fosters for the Cat Depot. So the Cat Depot, an organization that um, takes in lots of cats, I'm sure a lot of you know about it. We're going to go visit there later this month and bring donations and learn more about their services. And how about you guys? What happened to your clothes today? Oh, I think I lost them. <laughs> uh, Ryan, why are you dressed as a box? Because we're going to the homeless sleepover and have fun and all right. And Bailey, what do we do at our homeless sleepover? You learn about people who don't have homes and you sleep in boxes. So I think sleeping in a box is their favorite part about the homeless sleepover. <laughs> but we also go shopping for Christmas presents for kids on the Salvation Army tree, Angel Tree, and all those things. So we're going to do a little review. Who can remember? I said there were three things that God shows us how to do to serve him with our time. Who can remember the first one? Starts with a P. Alexander? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Awesome. 
That is an awesome one. And Alex brought his Bible today. Amy, what was another? Playing. Praying. Super great. And then third one that all these kids here are showing us by their example. <laughs> Helping. Helping others. Yes. Awesome. And worshiping. And worship. Yes. I'm so glad you guys added that one. That's what we're doing right now. So if everybody would please pray with me. God, thank you for sending your son who teaches us how to honor you through praying, listening to your word, and helping others. Please open our hearts this week so that we will have more time to do those things in your name. Amen. Thanks. Foxes and cats. We have still yet to go to the dogs. <laughs> Last week we mentioned that our emphasis this month is will be on stewardship and the theme of stewardship this year is called passing the baton, reflecting upon uh, the challenges we have as a church to pass the baton from one generation to the next, one from one group of people to the next and we have uh, for our stewardship moment this morning a little video we wish to show you to talk a little bit more about this opportunity we all share in. Passing the baton. Beside what happens at the finish line, it is perhaps the most important part of a relay race. An improper handoff can lead to a dropped baton, a disaster for those in the race. But one runner effectively passing the baton to the next runner means success for the team. And passing the baton of faith from one generation to the next is what God instructed Moses to teach the Israelites in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. As they prepared to enter the promised land, you shall put these words of mine in your heart and soul. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. That's the focus of our stewardship emphasis, remembering and celebrating how those who have gone before us at Church of the Palms have been faithful to pass the baton of their Christian faith on and to be inspired by their example to do everything that we can do to instill a legacy for Jesus in the heart and soul of the next generation in our church family. Let's look back to those early years here at Church of the Palms. I've been so lucky to have had the privilege of growing up at Church of the Palms. Early on, I sang in angel choir and went to nursery school. In high school, Betty Stith Campbell invited us into her home for a weekly Bible study. Her lessons and our group discussions brought the Bible to life and they helped us navigate through our high school years. It has been a blessing to be a member of our church. It's amazing how God can use words or actions that might not have seemed significant at the time to impact another person for Christ in a powerful way. The baton of faith got passed from one generation to, to the next. Over and over again through the decades that story has been repeated in our congregation. Here's another example. 1989 was a good year for our family. Dana Ray came along in March. In October of that year, 
Church of the Palms became our church home. Uh, beginning with her baptism by Bruce Porter um, when she was nine months old, the very early years uh, of Dana singing in angel choir with wonderful her wonderful director Judy, Judy Lutz. Lutz. Yeah. In middle school, Dana was very involved in our mission trips mm -hmm. uh, with Sue Gooding as our middle school leader. Really helped to develop uh, Dana's adult spirituality and discipleship as she carried on into her college years. Passing the baton of our Christian faith to the next generation continues to be one of the most important things we do in our church family. Whenever we baptize a child, we make a promise before God and one another that we will do everything in our power to teach him or her of God's love and grace in Jesus Christ. We covenant with the Lord and that family joins parents in instilling a legacy of faith in that child. It's a beautiful thing when we actually get to see that commitment we make during a baptism happen with our students as we surround them with love and prayers and support during the time of their confirmation. When I went through confirmation two years ago, I had a mentor named Rich Mason. Rich Mason helped me many times throughout my journey. He showed me all the good times I got to have being a Christian. But not only did he do that, he also showed me that he loved me and cared for me, and he could always comfort me whenever I needed it. And for me, that helped me a lot on my faith journey. At every baptism, our church family promises to nurture and to help each child grow in faith. We realize that parents are the most important influence in a child's life, but we also know that a parent is not the only influence that a child needs. Our vision is to create a sticky faith so that when our kids graduate and leave, they don't leave their faith behind. In fact, we are called to pass the faith on to the next generation. How do we go about doing that? It's all about the relationships. Our goal is to have five adults pouring into the lives of each one of our kids. These connections count. These intergenerational relationships help build a sticky web of support for our kids as we share the faith and the love of Christ with our kids and with others in our community, our life overflows with faith and love in return. 100 years from now, the only thing that will matter is our relationship with God. And I am so grateful for the adults who handed that baton of faith to me.
be seated. We continue in our series on the Beatitudes. Today we take a look at the Beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God and to be, re, to be guided in our reflecting upon that beatitude, we look a little bit further in Matthew's Gospel at chapter 9, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. And after getting into a boat, Jesus crossed the sea and came to his own town. And just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, stand up, take your bed and go to your home. He stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had, been, who had given such authority to human beings. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, well, the wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, for the patch pulls away from the cloak, and the worse is the tear. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins, otherwise the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. New wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved says the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We yearn for new wine, O God, and pray that by your spirit you will create within us new wineskins. In Jesus' name, amen. At the beginning of every sports season, no matter what the sport, there are usually scores of prognosticators who spend months analyzing every team, strengths, weaknesses, statistics, past performance, et cetera, et cetera. And they determine who are the really good teams and who are the really bad teams. And they will venture guesses as to which games which teams will win and which games which teams will lose. And it all makes a lot of sense when you're looking at things on paper, usually things make sense. And, and they will tell you actually when two teams meet up to play that, that this team is likely to win by six points or likely to win by 10 points or 25 points. How they can be so precise in their predictions, I do not know. This afternoon, the Denver Broncos will play the Jacksonville Jaguars and the experts say that Denver should win by 28 points the largest spread in the history of the NFL. This is the cover of Sports Illustrated the week after the Michigan Wolverines played a team from Boone, North Carolina, the Appalachian State University Mountaineers. The spread before the game was 27 points in favor of Michigan. This is a team I have mentioned from time to time. <laughs> But as they say in sports, there is a reason why they play the game. For in the course of human events, anything can happen, and so it did, as this cover explains, and as I have had to hear for the past six years, and as I had to relive even yesterday. It's going to be a long season. The Bible tells a story about all this, one that we learned when we were about three years old, David and Goliath, big guy versus little guy, 50 points spread between the two. No chance for the shepherd boy, the prognosticator said, but there's a reason why they play the game. No one counted on the slingshot and the five smooth stones. It's all it takes to slay a giant. 
Witness Tyson Gay and Darvis Patton. You saw them a few minutes ago in our video, two runners for the United States of America. In 2008, they were two of the fastest runners in the world, and they were members of a 400-meter relay team that was considered the fastest in the world, heavily favored to take the gold in the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing. But there is a reason why they run the race. In the course of human events, anything can happen because in a relay race, and this was the qualifying heat to run in the finals, it's one thing to be very fast. It's another thing to run your leg of the race well, but it's a whole other thing to make the handoff, to pass the baton. You can run your leg well, you can carry your baton really well, but you, when you can't make the handoff, it doesn't matter. There is a reason why they run the race. You never know what's going to happen when you add the human element. So as the story goes, God in his good creation decides after he has created the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees to add the human element, to, to add the human element into the order of creation. Beings created in his image with the gift of freedom, the gift to be able to play the game as they want to play the game. And God, over the course of history, watched with sadness the way we played the game the way we treated each other, and the way we mishandle his creation. And so, as the story goes, this loving God decided to engage, to play the game, and to translate the divine love, which had been there since the beginning, to translate the divine love into human form, to take on flesh, to speak not the language of heaven, not the language of angels, but the language of a particular people in a particular place at a particular time, to live a particular life and to reveal the divine love of the Father. So in our text this morning, we hear Matthew tell us about the particular way of God in Jesus Christ, the translation, as it were, of the divine love, God playing the game. And it's all very surprising, as we discover in Matthew 9, because it doesn't look like the old way. It doesn't sound like the old language. The divine love looks and feels different in Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus is doing things that kind of rattle people's cages. He's not following the old rules. He's not paying much attention to tradition. He is taking it upon himself to forgive people. He's raising people from their paralysis. He's meeting tax collectors and sinners for lunch and letting them into his inner circle. He's choosing not to worry as much about fasting and other good people practices, and instead he's worrying to take care about people's hurts and reminding the outcasts that God loves them. This is a whole new way of doing things. If there is going to be new wine, Jesus says, if there's going to be new wine, there needs to be new wine skins. New wine doesn't work in the old wine skins. 
This is the mission of God. It's not enough for God to be, to be standing back in his glory and going tisk tisk to his people. No, God must engage. He must show them what real love looks like. He must speak their language. He must translate the divine love. He must play the game. So when we hear the beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It would be a grave mistake for us to think that the purity of heart of which Jesus speaks means some kind of protected heart, a heart uh, sealed off from the world. Because what we learn is that for God, pure in heart means a broken heart, a heart that hurts for the world, a heart that means engagement. Pure in heart is a heart that breaks for the paralytic man, a heart that breaks for the misguided tax collector, a heart that breaks for all the people on the outside. It is the broken heart of Jesus we see on the cross. God in Christ reconciling to himself the world with a broken heart. That's the translation. Pure in heart means a heart that breaks. Because when our hearts break for the world, then we do something about it. When our hearts break for the world, we see God because God's heart is breaking too. It's how the baton gets passed. When our heart breaks for the world, love pours out of a broken heart. It is the universal language. It's how we pass the baton. It's our way of playing the game. So this is what we've been doing here at Church of the Palms over the last few years. We've been asking ourselves, what is our heart breaking over? Who are we being called to translate the divine love to? So over the last couple of years, we've been focusing our hearts upon three larger populations of people in and around our church and in and around our community. The first group we have been focusing our hearts upon is a group called the greatest generation. Tom Brokaw popularized this phrase, and it's the generation of folks born back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. Did you know that Florida has a large number of these people? And in Church of the Palms, we spend a lot of our attention and resources, as we should, on the greatest generation. Pastoral care, adult education, fellowship dinners, etc., etc. We have a strong heart for the greatest generation. A second population of people we focus our hearts upon are families of children between the ages of 1 and 20. Children youth, students, parents. Church of the Palms is one of those unusual Florida churches with a large greatest generation population that consciously tries to focus attention and resources on children, youth, and families. Middle school, high school, Sunday school, parenting classes, etc., etc. We have a stronger and stronger heart for families, for, youth, for children and youth. 
And then the third population that we focus our hearts upon is a group we call the disconnected. People who feel disconnected for whatever reason from God. Maybe they've never felt connected to God or maybe they felt they got disconnected for a thousand different reasons, but our hearts here at Church of the Palms break for those people who have a yearning to hear in their own language the good news that God in Christ loves them. Many of our mission partners are reaching the disconnected. Many of our community ministries here, counseling center, tutoring ministry, early childhood center, food pantry, are reaching people, many of whom feel disconnected from God. Our garden ministry is reaching people who feel disconnected from God. We have a strong heart for the disconnected. Now I have to tell you, we are incredibly blessed to have an amazing collection of staff leaders who are leading us in these efforts to pour our broken hearts into people. Our family ministry staff, including the Early Childhood Center and our tutoring ministry, reaches about 400 children and youth every week. Our wonderful new sanctuary worship and music team lead an average flock each Sunday of about a thousand people to give glory and to make a joyful noise. Our congregational care staff, Mingy and Allen, visit each week many and many, many, many people who are in crisis and lead a growing number of shepherding deacons, about 200 who shepherd a congregation of 2,500 members. And our garden team next door each Sunday ministers to a growing number of folks, around 200, many of whom have come to us feeling very disconnected from God in the past. Our, our new Life Tree Cafe is a way to engage those who have felt disconnected. And these are just a part of a list of community missions, including the largest church food pantry in Sarasota that feeds about 1,700 people a month, 650 of which are children. Now all of that is good news about what's happening here at Church of the Palms, but here is the bad news. The bad news is that culturally, we are in the midst of a tidal wave of change when it comes to people and their relationship to the church. 30 years ago, the church was the place where people of faith, sooner or later, gravitated to the church to connect to God but that's not the case anymore. Over the last 30 or 40 years in America, church membership is down, church attendance is down, church giving is down. The church, the larger church, is being swamped by a wave of cultural change, and as a result, we are not making the handoff. We, have a, we are having a harder time translating the divine love, pouring grace from our broken heart. Church of the Palms has held its own, relatively speaking, in the midst of this way, but the challenge of passing the baton will become more and more difficult over time. It will require us to find new language, new ministries, new ways of doing things that will help a new generation of people understand the good news of God's love. It will, in fact, require a greater and greater sacrifice on all our parts. In many respects, it will call upon the greatest generation again to rise to the challenge of making as much room as possible for new and disconnected folks, families to be a part of the great family of faith. Letting go even sometimes of time-honored traditions to grasp 
new wineskins to be filled with new wine. Because you see, it doesn't as much matter how well we ran the race a half lap ago or a half century ago. The key is how well will we pass the baton to the next generation of people who yearn to know that God loves them. Jesus spent so much time talking about the handoff. He talked about using your talents. He talked about the hungry, the sick, the lonely, the imprisoned, the stranger. He talked about the little children coming unto me. He talked about the good Samaritan stopping on the side of the road. He talked about rich. He talked about the rich man giving everything he has to the poor. He talked about the lepers and the tax collectors and the sinners. And he didn't just talk about them. His heart broke for them. This is how divine love gets translated, through a broken and passionate heart. His was not an indifferent heart. His was a heart that made a difference. He said, if you want to see God, then let your heart break. Let not your heart be indifferent. Let not your time be indifferent. Let not your talent be indifferent. Let not your resources be indifferent. Let not the number you write on a pledge card be indifferent. Indifference leads to dropped batons. When I was a kid, a man walked into my life whose name I will call Tim. He is much too humble for me to use his real name. Tim was an insurance broker and an investment advisor. But I didn't know that when I was a kid. Only I knew as a kid was that Tim was a guy who took a week off every summer to direct our elementary church school camp. Tim was the guy who volunteered with our youth group. Tim was the guy who sat on the session. Tim was the guy who invited me to go to Michigan football games. I have him to blame for my high blood pressure. <laughs> Tim was the guy whose presence in my life reminded me over and over again that God was alive and that God was love. Tim was the guy who showed up at my wedding. Tim was the guy who showed up at my ordination. Tim was the guy who showed up at my parents' funerals. Tim was not an indifferent man. It wasn't until I grew up, though, that I learned that Tim had once been indifferent. Life had treated him unfairly, and he had grown angry and bitter. His heart hardened. And as Tim tells the story, he pulled into church one afternoon unannounced and stormed into the building and insisted on seeing the pastor. And once he was before the pastor, he laid out all the reasons why there isn't a God. The pastor listened, and when he was through, the pastor perceptively said something like this. Tim, he said, your heart is broken. Life has broken your heart, and it's not fair, 
and you have good reason to be cynical. And I'm wondering though now, what are you going to do with your broken heart? And I'm wondering if that broken heart can break for someone else. If divine love can be poured through your broken heart. Because when you give your broken heart to someone else, there you see God. And so it goes. This baton we pass, one generation to the next, in this world of great indifference, we whose hearts still break, we know the difference, don't we? We know that God is in the exchange. It's why we play the game.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.